Herbert West is not just your ordinary doctor. Others dare not dream what we are about to do. He intends to make medical history. This is no longer about just reanimating the dead. With the help of Daniel Kane. It's never gonna work. It's gonna be uncontrollably spastic. And a few select friends. Mr. took my body, but he cannot take my mind. He's about to bring his dream to life. And God created woman. Someone old. What's dead is dead. Someone new. It is some kind of joke, right, man? How dare you judge my work? Someone borrowed. Who is she? Someone blue. This morbid doodling with human body parts. Is this what it's all about? Something so shocking. It must be true. There is my creation. Take a note of it, Dan. Rejects. Daniel, you're coming. You made me. I made you. Forget it, Dan. She's just an assembly of dead tissue. H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator 2. Are we having fun yet? <laughs>
so yeah, thank you, Mike. Uh, and let's see what else. Um, and we also got a message on Facebook. Um, Remember I had that whole laundry list of places that had been listening to us. Yes. And I mentioned Sale UK. So we got a message from uh, John, uh, who lives in uh, Timperley, uh, which I, I'm guessing I'm pronouncing that right. Um, so uh, he said that it just shows up as Sale because that's like the next town over. So whenever you know somebody uh, listens on SoundCloud, it just shows up as the next biggest nearby town. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, Quite uh, rude. <laughs> I know. It's like stealing the thunder of a cool town like this. Uh, Temperley's known for um, Frank Sidebottom of uh, oh, right. yeah, the Freshies. So the paper mache head guy that was yeah, made by yeah. uh, Mike, uh, Michael Fassbender. Anyway, um, so a uh, message from uh, John was really nice. He said, hi, guys. I was pleasantly surprised when you mentioned that you have listeners in Sale, UK. That was me. Even though I live in the village of Timberley next door, Google always brings up that location as sale. So I guess it's Google's fault, not um, SoundCloud. Yeah. And uh, Timberley's famous for Frank Sidebottom. Um, Jolien, you know who that is? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, he sent us pictures of the statue, which is pretty cool. Is this a statue of Frank Sidebottom in yeah. Timberley? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, the head is like fully painted, but the body is bronze. It's kind of weird. Wow. I don't know if somebody painted it who wasn't authorized to paint it i haven't looked into that to be honest with you um like there's a statue of Jimi hendrix in seattle and somebody's always putting a cigarette or a joint in his hand yeah when new york gonna do a big statue of jack kirby yeah when's this gonna happen uh so anyway uh it was it was great to get this message from him he says i love your podcast i listen every week to us and werewolf ambulance so shout out to oh, them excellent. as well yeah, yeah I, I like them yeah i listen every week to them um, uh, he saw Iron Maiden Manchester in 1980 when Paul, wow. when Paul, Paul Diano. Diano. Yeah. Right. So, so apparently John is an OG. Um, I think the first time I saw Maiden was on uh, number of the beast tour and then uh, the next two tours wow. after that. So I only saw Bruce Dickinson. I, I've never seen them live. Damn. They're good. They're, just, just on like concept movies. And things. Yeah. So we got Whorehound Candy. Uh, any listeners who haven't been in on the joke, every time I mention that I was going to Horror Hound in Indianapolis, will like to joke about uh, Whorehound Old Fashioned Candy, which is a thing. Some, some <laughs> old people would eat. <laughs> I guess I'm old now. There's a bag of it right here. Yeah, it's, it's very soft, hard candy. Yeah, and if you don't want to go and find some yourself, just uh, it's similar enough to a Ricola, you know, the... the throat okay the throat lozenges oh, good. yeah yeah so there it is um in, in england we have tunes yeah, oh yeah <laughs> you got all kinds of different candies you got the violet crumble <laughs> uh there's always fun candies from other countries um there's there's one from uh germany there's a chocolate bar called milka oh yes yeah and uh a cute low, uh, character logo yeah. Yeah, and it's a particular purple-colored wrapper. And uh, when we worked at the art supply store, we had uh, the Montana cans, the Montana gold, as, as it were called. Um, and one of their colors was a purple called Milka. And I'm like, why the hell is it called that? This is weird. <laughs> and then I was in um, Cost Plus World Market, and I saw the candies from other countries, and I saw the Milka bar from Germany. And I'm okay. like, oh, that explains it. It would be like calling a color a shade of brown Snickers, and we would know what that 
meant, but maybe countries that don't have Snickers wouldn't. Do I digress? A, a little. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> this is a horror movie podcast. <laughs> sure it is. Uh, anyway, so uh, uh, John signs off. Cheers, guys. Keep up the great show. Well, we're trying. We'll start the great show. Yeah, we'll, yeah we'll, start a, we'll start a great show anytime now. Um, do we want to wait till the end of the show to talk about what we're doing uh, next time? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, you should you should do that up front. It's great. Okay, um, we're gonna be jo- joined. Uh, let me do that again. <clears throat> you know, we come out of those damn up tempo songs and try to talk about <laughs> goddamn dog dying. Um, we're gonna be joined next week uh, by uh, Jackie, who is somebody I met doing one of these little oddball convention kind of things, uh, and I noticed her Nick Cage tote bag with with the vampire's kiss on it. And we started talking about Nick Cage and I said, Hey, you live here in, in the greater Denver area. You should be on the show and talk about Nick Cage movies mm-hmm. with us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she listened to a couple episodes. I think she deemed us worthy. Really? Yeah. Wow. So Jackie is going to be joining us, uh, for an episode called cage match. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to, we're going to talk about some Nicholas Cage movies. All right. I'm All right. Fight over them. Yeah. As, uh, as other um, podcasts like to say, that's the housekeeping. Um, you know, uh, people we've heard from, people who've been nice enough to send us some mm-hmm. candy. Now, um, recently watched, do you want to go first? I've got loads. So. Oh, do you? Mine's probably simpler if you want me to go and get sure. it out of the way. All right. Since last time, um, it has been epic, crazy, busy at work. Um, and if you want to look at what I do, it's called Counter Couture, as well as my other thing called Screen Monsters. If you go to counter-couture.com, you'll see all the products we sell, and it's a lot of work to print them all, and it's a lot of work for everybody to make them ready to ship and put them in boxes and send these things away, and there's wholesale and there's retail and all this crazy stuff. That being said, finally did get to sort of squeeze in a few movies um, right here as we ramp up for the holiday season, which is the busiest one yet. Watched Black Klansman, the Spike Lee joint. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's set in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. Um, based on a true story. Based on a true story. I am assuming it's greatly embellished. Uh, it's such a weird story, you know. It's just one of those things that could be absolutely true. Right. Uh, don't need to embellish it because it's, so, it's such a weird scenario. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a policeman who works undercover. He's a black man. In the 70s, and uh, he decides to make a few phone calls and see if he could uh, get some inroads happening. And it turns out, whoops, he used his real name because he got caught up in the moment. And he's going to meet with uh, the local chapter of the KKK, which they had at the time, and I hope they don't anymore. Um, Because that's a day trip from here, and I don't like to think of the Klan being around. Um. So uh, he uh, has to, uh, yeah, he, he has to um, uh, work something out to where another guy is going to go meet with them and then they make all their connections. And I don't want to spoil anything about what happens from there, but it is as much funny as it is action and suspense. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, and it's, it's beautiful. It looks like every Spike Lee movie where it's got all that colorful, yeah. you know, just great camera angles, great scenery. Um and some of the stuff that uh, I don't know how much you have to really wink at the audience to get them to hear your phrasing that you're kind of referring to Donald Trump stuff. 
Oh, he, he just takes off the gloves. Especially at the end. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't going to say, but especially towards the end. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say there's some newsreel footage at the end. Newsreel footage, like... Yeah, like this is the 1930s, um, but there's news footage at the end, mm-hmm. uh, and and I'm not going to say what exactly it's about. <laughs> uh, I've said more than enough about that. That was a video on demand kind of thing uh, that I just watched through Comcast or whatever. Ballad of Buster Scruggs. The Cohen Brothers, right? Yeah. Um, my good friend Brian texted me. Brian has been on the show before. Um Brian was like, hey, have you checked out Ballad of Buster Scruggs? I'm like, I don't know what that is. And he's like, oh, it's Coen Brothers, and it just dropped on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really? A Coen Brothers directly to Netflix? Okay. Yeah. Limited theatrical release. So if it can get any Oscar nominations, it, you know, it, 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 it's legitimized by having shown in at least two, three, five. I don't know how many theaters you have to do. Just a couple, I think. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, it starts out and you're wondering what on earth is this thing I'm watching? And it's beautiful <laughs> and weird and fun as usual. <laughs> yeah. And it's like five or six vignettes. So you're like, Oh, okay. Is there going to be a through line with this character? Cause it mm-hmm. is named after the character that you see in the first vignette. I'm not going to say there's a lot of big names in it, but if you like the Coen brothers and you have Netflix uh, or can get someone's Netflix password, watch this one. It's, you know, it's Western, but it's not boring kind of Western. Like you watch some of these things that aren't exactly thrilling. Uh, I'm a Western fan. So okay. Uh, I've got a high tolerance. Yeah. I've, I've got um, a love hate with Westerns, you know, <laughs> they're, well, they're... I find most Westerns, uh, they operate at their own speed. Yeah. It's if they are cut fast as fast as like a you know crime thriller modern day thing. Yeah, they don't work for me. Well, it wouldn't feel it's like the time, slower. would it? Yeah, yeah. The pace of so life I've, was. I've seen some that are made in the last thirty years, and they they try and like you know cut them, edit them really fast. Yeah, to get with the kids, it just doesn't work. No, the 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 pace of life in the eighteen fifties ish. Yeah, Western America was not moving at a great clip most of the time that's, that's part of the suspense for me though is it's like the information like important information is not going to get to someone else for days right so yeah you got to wait and you're out there on your own the law is not going to come and help you right yeah the bad guys can have their way yeah crooked lawmen can have their way yeah um anyone who gets out ahead of you on the trail can do things to you mm-hmm. there's a lot to it yeah yeah so Ballad of Buster Scruggs is really a lot of fun. It's over two hours long, but since it's, like I said, five or six vignettes, um, there's there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of fun to be had, and you and you won't feel like oh I've been watching this thing for two hours. Why is it you know why is it not sticking to the Barnes limit? <laughs> 90, 90 minutes or less. Yes, I watched Summer of '84 on Shutter. Oh yeah, I've heard mixed things yeah. about that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm of two minds about it. <laughs> um, it's kind of it's kind of like Stranger Things minus the you know the glossier production. Uh, it still looks good. Um, it's pretty pretty good period accurate stuff for '84. Um, but these kids are uh, kind of playing detective. They think their neighbor's up to something, sort of a rear window type of a thing, but not exactly. Uh, 
and I don't want to tell too much about it, but is it uh, supernatural or no, it's not. It's it's um, serial killer stuff. Okay, it's pretty clear early on that there's nothing supernatural going to happen in this, and that's the biggest difference between this and something like Stranger Things is that it's just things that could occur in the real world. Uh, it is fun. Um, the characters are all right. They're they're clearly. <laughs> I say this, and I haven't really looked them up. It seems clear to me they're Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a what, the, the little fingers don't bend or something you can yeah tell. yeah you know how they are those, yeah. those people <laughs> no you could you could hear uh even though they try not to say i think they deliberately didn't put the word sorry anywhere in the script because <laughs> they can't say it without saying sorry <laughs> no you can't train it out of them <laughs> there's no dialect coach on earth um but they the way they say a boat and house you know, mm-hmm. even when they're not fully pronouncing it Canadian. They they Americanize it, but you can yeah. still hear it. You know, they don't say a boot, but they say a boat. And you can just, you know. Anyway, uh, at the end, there's like a Film Canada production and there's like a lot of French names in the in the credits. So mm. you go, oh, okay, it's a Canadian production. I don't have anything against that. I'm not complaining. Sure. I'm just saying that uh, it's set in, in, uh, in uh, Oregon and it's not... Um, it's not geographically given away a whole lot that it wouldn't be there. Is there any reason to set it in Oregon and not Canada? I don't know. <laughs> it, it's like uh, Stand By Me was filmed in Oregon, but it's set in uh, Maine. Yeah. So what the hell, people? <laughs> Just set it where you're going to film it. Just huh. be like, this is in Canada. What are you going to do? It's like, what, we can't relate? I mean, kids are kids everywhere, right? Um. I'm a little off track on that, but it's it, the suspense is pretty good. Um, you know, there's there's a there's a love interest thing between one of the boys and the neighbor girl, and that's kind of cute. Um, so is it kids in peril? Are they threatened by the oh yeah, serial killer. Totally, yeah. He's he's uh, whoever this killer is, whether or not it's the neighbor, um, is killing children. Oh yeah. Wow. So that's that's why they feel they really need to address this mm-hmm. um, the suspicion that they're sure is founded in fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and believe it or not, the parents don't believe them when they finally do come out with it. Well, yeah, that's a new one, right? <laughs> um, and then I watched a few episodes of Eli Roth's History of Horror. Yeah, and that's on AMC. Really enjoy that. Um, mm-hmm. He's got, you know, good people on the panel and sometimes it's more of a one-on-one. You'll see like Tarantino talking about something or you've got Rob Zombie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, Greg Nicotero. People who who know their stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's good good to watch. Um, they've got... So is that on streaming or something yeah. so you can watch the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. So if you've got... Uh, and I think... They might have it available on amc.com that you could just watch it if you want to. Okay. Um, but if, if you have Comcast, I know that AMC has all their stuff on demand. And it's it's good. I like it. You know, they're hour-long episodes. And uh, they've got a two-part one about slashers. Mm. They've got like Demon Possession is the theme of another one. And then Ghosts. And it, but it's it, just an hour long per episode. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And uh, there was so much to deal with for slashers. They did two parts. So... That is everything on my recently watched. Um, I think I successfully didn't spoil anything too bad. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> what have you watched since last well, time? Well, today I got a couple of arrivals that I ordered months oh, and months man. ago. Night of the Demon. 
Look at that beautiful. Now, this is a movie where uh, runes are passed on to people who are then hunted down by a demon. Oh, man. And this arrived today, which, as we record, is the very day they went into production. Oh, that's on amazing. On the movie in 1956. Oh, that's great. November 19th. Beautiful. Wow. Uh, on this, uh, there's, there's like uh, two Blu-rays and a booklet and the poster. Wow. Um, do you want to look at the poster? Yeah, I want to see this. I'm, um, I'm getting my phone out because I'm going to take a picture. This has got several cuts. So you've got the uh, the original uh, releases that went out in the US and the UK. And then you've got the 96-minute version that went mm -hmm. out in mainland Europe and didn't turn up in the UK for a while. Oh, okay. And uh, Here we go. We're going to get a picture of this. You can get, you've got a double-sided poster with it. This is from Indicator, which is a UK company. It does beautiful versions of um, uh, Blu-rays of um, Harryhausen's movies, and uh, oh, cool. they're, they're doing a series on William Castle and stuff like that. That is a very good, nice package. That's a really uh, good print job too. Tons of extras on it. There's a whole disc of extras. It's got like, uh, uh, like Sir Christopher Frayling, Chris Fujiwara, Kim Newman. Um, Ramsey Campbell, you know, it's, it's, it's a really good uh, package. That's um, and then I also got Zombie, Zombie, the yeah. Blue Underground 4K scan, which doesn't mean it's you're watching it in 4K. Uh, on a standard Blu-ray, but um, but if you have a 4K anyway, television 4K scan, yeah. this isn't yeah. So um, I don't. So maybe they're doing a 4K disc as well. I don't have that. So Right. Anyway, looks great. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, lots of cool extras. Uh, I got the three-disc edition. I've been waiting for a good Blu-ray of this. So, you know, I've had the DVD for yonks. But yeah. So this has got the uh, uh, the movie, a whole bunch of extras, and the soundtrack as a separate disc. Yeah. Um, lots of interviews and stuff like that. So that was really good. Oh, that's great. Yeah, if you want to watch... Uh a zombie fighting a shark you want it to be as sharp as possible <laughs> yeah you want to see every little squidgy detail speaking of which goblin was in town last week yes they played last uh when's, night when's oh, thursday night i think yeah 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 they, they did the suspiria that's crazy so it's claudio simonetti i don't know how many of the other members there are but... i wish i could have uh planned for that yeah somehow. didn't have the cash for it yeah I, I wish I could find the time for things like that more than anything. It's like <laughs> there aren't enough hours in the day anymore. Yeah. At least till after Christmas Eve. Right. <laughs> it'll, it'll be like a ghost town for about a week. Yeah, that's nice. I always like that time. So this four, okay, so 4K literally means 4,000 lines per inch. Mm. Sharper than your eye can see. And that's the rate at which they scan the thing. Mm -hmm. um, and if you have a 4K, like a high-res disc and a 4k television then you yep. could actually watch this thing yep um i'm just waiting for when we can uh get a little a little thing that's the size of a deck of cards and just stick it to the ceiling or the wall and it projects <laughs> onto the other wall right at that kind of resolution <laughs> that'd be nice <laughs> yeah it's like i've got i've got the ability to do a 12-foot screen on the opposite wall it's great yeah <laughs> yeah when when joe bob was in town he, he had a lot of those projectors that can project oh. your dvds onto a wall oh nice that's quite funny showed barbarella and stuff oh great 
signed my copy of his book. Oh yeah. All right. Um, uh, we've been watching the, um, uh, you know, Eurospy movies. Yeah. Uh, so there's a series called OSS. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Santiset. Okay. OSS Santiset is this agent, and he's actually American. Um, these novels predated James Bond. Wow. So they started coming out in the late forties. Okay. There's been almost 300 of them between the original author and his wife. There's been almost 300 novels. So this is like a Louis L'Amour Western novel kind of a situation. Yeah. They just keep coming so out. Just tons of them. And uh, so they made a movie in the late 50s. Okay. So they predate the James Bond movies. As well. As well. And then, uh, then once Dr. No came out and was a huge hit, they started producing them in earnest. So almost every year. Uh, so they did the series of uh, five came out on Blu-ray from uh, Kino Lorber. They look great. Oh, that's great. Um, the, the, f- the first four especially uh, I really enjoyed. Um, the first two star uh, Cohen Matthews, who's in uh, some of the Ray Harryhausen movies. Oh, great. And then the um, uh, next two star Frederick Stafford. And then the fifth one stars John Gavin from Psycho. Oh, wow. Um but yeah, the, these are not um, most Eurospy movies. They're kind of trying to be James Bond and failing miserably, right? But, but entertainingly, usually, yeah. uh, these are more cross-pollinators. So you, you, they share several cast members. Uh, Terence Young even turns up on the fourth one uh, as as one of the writers. Um, and you see ideas from these going into the James Bond movies, and and vice versa. Oh, okay. As they go on, but yeah, that, that was really fun. Wow. Series. All right. Um, saw a short called Three Dimensional Murder from 1941, eight minutes long, <laughs> directed by George Sidney. This is a Pete Smith short um, about a man who enters a haunted mansion looking for his Aunt Tilly. He meets uh, Frankenstein's monster, who's. Uh, uh, and then there's a, there's a witch, there's a cannibal with a skeleton, there's a, a, a knight, there's a wooden Indian. But it's uh, this was made in uh, this was an audioscopic film, the third of three, uh, which is an early three D process. Oh, it's from nineteen forty one. Uh, anaglyph metroscopic. Anaglyph metroscopic. And uh, yeah, so it's just eight minutes of these various spooks throwing stuff at the screen. <laughs> right. Uh, so that was quite interesting. Yeah, there's a there's a reason for every character to do something at the camera. With three D movies, it's funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's like here, let me hand you that golf club. Yeah, so it's like them throwing spears or, or boiling oil or you know, oh. whatever they have to hand is just chucking it at the camera. <laughs> That's great. Then uh, we saw um, uh, from nineteen sixteen, The Curse of Quan Guan, oh. directed by Marion Evelyn Wong. Uh, she was also the founder, president, producer, writer, director, star of the Mandarin Film Company. And this is the only film they did, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, she also worked on the costume design and the set design. Uh, so this is notable for being like the oldest existing Chinese-American film, as well as being one of the oldest female-directed movies yeah. out there. And it's a silent film, I assume, by, yeah, the, by the year. Uh, some, uh, quite a few of the reels are missing. There's no intertitles left. Uh, apparently, it's about a couple struggling with God's curse because of West, their Westernization. Oh. Although what I saw of it, it doesn't seem to be much of that. You see the God appear now and then, but um, 
it seems to be more about postpartum depression. <laughs> you know, they're all really happy, and they have a, a Chinese style wedding in and uh, in San Francisco, and and then she goes off to the country and gets all suicidal. Oh. Um, and I watched your you lent me the Blu-ray of uh, Return of the Living Dead. Yes. Um, Looks pretty sharp, doesn't it? Yeah, I've never seen it that sharp before. You know, like you can see all the background details I was watching. Yeah, like, uh, you can see every split dog. So, have you seen all the like his, the eye chart in his office? Yeah. Did you see what it, it says? No. What, what does it you spell? You can read it. It says like uh, you know the the boss is Bert. Yeah. The Clue Gallagher character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it says Bert is a slave driver and a son of a bitch, and he's going bald too. Ha ha. Oh wow, <laughs> that's great. Uh, and then Ernie, the uh, the mortuary guy. Yeah. Uh, he has a photo of Criswell on his fridge. Mm, that's crazy. I don't it's think a, I've ever noticed that. It's the photo of Criswell. He's, he's kind of sitting out from his coffin. Oh, yeah. side on, so I think it's from Night of the Ghouls. Oh, okay. But, yeah, yeah, thanks for lending me that. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Are you checking for time? No, no we're good. We're Okay. We're fine on time. Uh, uh, let's see. One of the best movies I saw was uh, Alexander Nevsky, 1938, Sergei Eisenstein. It's about the 13th century prince versus the Germans. Oh. So this is 1938. Yes. So you know what's about to come down in Russia. Right. And the movie is pretty clear about that. Mm -hmm. but what apparently happened is after the premiere, when Stalin went to see it, mm -hmm. uh, Stalin said, uh, you can't release this because he, he then he did his pact with Germany, the peace pact, oh. which lasted for another three years. Right. And then the Germans invaded. Yeah, that which was, turned out to be a very big mistake for them. Yeah, that was the end of them. Yeah, because there was an endless supply of Russian soldiers to keep fighting and fighting and fighting. Right, yeah, and Stalin Stalin could kill them a lot faster than Hitler could. Right. But there's still enough of them to stop yeah. him. And you can see in this movie, like, the, you know, the passion and the energy. and uh, it's, it's just a really powerful film. Wow. Uh, and it's got the really famous, you know, this really long battle on the ice. Oh, wow. But, uh, it's not that long a film. It's, it's really good. Um, let's see. Uh, going down a few notches. Uh, trawling through uh, Amazon Prime. Uh-huh. Uh, so The Mad Monster from 1942. The Mad um, I don't think I know this one. Directed by Sam Newfield. This is a PRC movie. Uh, so PRC is the Producers Releasing Corporation, which is one of those poverty row oh, okay. operations. Uh, so this stars George Zucco. Um, as Dr. Cameron, and then his subject is Glenn Strange. Oh, no kidding. Playing a uh, uh, simple-minded fellow named Petro. He's employed as his gardener and part-time guinea pig. Oh. And he's, he's basically, uh, George Zoko is turning him into Wolfman. Um, uh, this is, is re-released in 1945 with The Devil Bat, and it's kind of a similar plot where he's like... Uh, uh, his his colleagues in science have laughed at him, and so he's using his monster to take revenge. Right. Uh, his home is a plantation, and he turns his servant into a beast man. Mm. I wondered where they were going to go with that. Yeah. Not very far. Um, this was banned in Britain until 1952 because of its portrayal of blood transfusions. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> of all the things to take issue with. Yeah. All right, uh, so Sicario, Day of the Soldado. Did you see Sicario? Yes. Yeah, uh, terrific stuff. So this is the uh, same team, Stefano Salina directing it. They did the first movie. Yeah, yeah. Benicio Del Toro and Josh Brolin in the back. Um, yep. 
Jeffrey Donovan, our friend. Yes. Yeah, for a while I was staring at this uh, going, why do I know this guy? Oh, it's Jerkface. <laughs> yes. I mean, uh, Isabella Mono, she's terrific as this. Uh, she's this... Uh, 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 She's like a, a daughter of one of the uh, cartels. Yeah. Who gets, uh, that, so they're trying to. The, the, I'm not spoiling it. The the Americans are trying to set off a war again between right. the cartels, and uh, so they kidnap her to make make it look as if another cartel has done it. Right. And it all goes terribly wrong. Yes. Yeah. This this is amazing, and and I like. I like her ingenuity and fortuitiveness. Yeah. She's really the amazing character of the whole thing. Yeah. Her, her, so it's so it kind of becomes like a western after a while. Where Benicio del Toro is like, he's left. He's the survivor and he's on the run from everybody. Right. And he's got her in his custody and he's trying to save her. And yeah. Yeah, it's really good. And uh, yeah, there's that whole part with the deaf guy that's super interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to say any more than that, but this one is a must-see. I don't think I mentioned this on Recently Watched uh, a few weeks ago when I saw it, but yeah, this one, it's it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some stuff that I wonder what, because they're obviously going to do another movie. Oh yeah, I think they're going to do it. It's, going to, it's supposed to be a trilogy. Yeah, and, and I'm interested to see how well um, Del Toro's character is doing in, yeah. the, in the third movie. <laughs> um yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Uh, saw a film noir called Laura from 1944. I've seen this several times, but it's the first time seeing it on Blu-ray. Oh, wow. Uh, this is directed by Otto Preminger. stars uh, Vincent Price. Oh. Gene Tierney as Laura. Dana Andrews from Night the Demon. Yeah. Clifton Webb. Uh, so Laura is the obsession of three men. Uh, one of them starts out being the narrator of the movie, but they drop that. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then Dana Andrews' character falls asleep, and then he starts being the lead guy okay so is it all his dream i'm not sure uh a character that we believed was dead at the start reappears um so uh, yeah it's a it's kind of a strange movie but uh sounds like a classic film noir um okay and then i saw uh dimension 5 1966 aka dimension 4 because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's about time travel which is time is the fourth dimension okay um so this is directed by franklin adrian who also did cyborg 2087 this stars uh, france nguyen from uh, south pacific and so on uh jeffrey hunter from the star trek pilot oh yeah um, he was the original captain of the Enterprise. Yeah, uh, we like this because it's got a lot of Asians in the cast. So it's it's uh, so France Nguyen, Robert Ito, Harold Sakata from Goldfinger. Yeah, he plays Big Buddha. Big Buddha. Uh, he's dubbed by Paul Freese. Um, very little happens in this. The hero is pretty useless. Um, she does most <laughs> of the work. Uh, there's this endless interrogation scene. They so they capture one of the like. <laughs> the uh chinese visions uh, uh villains and um so <laughs> you have the the white boss says ask him this so he so he turns to the uh interpreter and he goes ask him this and the interpreter asks him the question and then the fellow replies to him in chinese and then it goes back up the chain uh-huh. this goes on and on and on <laughs> oh that's crazy uh, how long is this gonna go yeah, the scene's going way too long. It's obviously like this is a really low budget movie and they're just like packing the time. Yeah. Um, so you've got this uh, special agent uh, for working for the NIA and they have these time jump belts. 
which ex- uh, gives the movie excuse to repeat whole minutes of oh. itself. Oh. <laughs> so they can go back in time a bit, go over what happened before, but correct things so they come out well. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> seems reasonable. Yeah. Um, the scene set in Bronson Canyon. Um, there's a scene where the hero, Justin Power, is, is uh, played by Jeffrey Hunter, is, he's flown by helicopter to this tower roof in L.A., and then he goes down through the tower with his boss through the you know the secret service oh, okay. operations rooms, and then when they come out the bottom, it's this like two story art gallery. Oh. I don't know I, why I, I missed the transition there. Yeah, <laughs> why why is this a thing? Yeah, so we we paired that with the cyborg twenty eight seven from uh, basically the same team, um, also from nineteen sixty six. They made a whole bunch of these movies which were intended for American TV, but which ended up getting released theatrically. Oh. Uh, this one's more interesting uh, science fiction premise where, uh, again, you have a guy who's coming back to the present. Uh, in this case, it's an android who's played by, uh, I mean, a cyborg played by Michael Rennie from Davis is Still. And um, uh, and so he's sent back to 1966 okay. to change future events where it's become this totalitarian regime presided over by... Some guy with a shitty hairdo? Uh, <laughs> no, it's earlier Because they're, they're able to um, control people and there's androids running the thing. So it's, it's very Terminator-esque. Oh, that's crazy. Um, and uh, yeah, you've you got several cast members from classic science fiction movies and you've got music cues, you know, library music cues. Right. Uh, which you'll recognize from The Living Dead. Oh, they use some of that. Yeah. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Yeah, uh, some of them zombie attack scene music, oh, yeah. uh, definitely. Then uh, I saw uh, Doctor Terror, Doctor Terror's Gallery of Horror. How which is, is that different to the Peter Cushing one from Amicus, yeah. which is really good? But this one is like this really cheap one with uh, Lon Chaney in it and John Carradine as the host. Oh, um, this is an AIP style anthology directed by David L. Hewitt. Um, they shot it in just a few days, but it's like. Um, five different stories oh. um so you've got uh uh people in it i don't think i think they must have been taken from local theater because they declaim their lines oh it's like stentorian voices you know they're, they're really pitching to the rafters you know yes they, they want to make sure those people in the cheap seats hear them and see them yeah yeah so like um uh, stories of the witch's cloak king Va- uh, which has um uh, John Carradine is in it as well. King Vampire, the Monster Raid, with uh, and then the Spike of Life, which has Lon Chaney in it, um, which is kind of body snatchers Frankenstein scenario, where three men stand around a gurney with a body on it. Oh wow! <laughs> the whole thing, and then the last one is Count Alucard. <laughs> Alucard, you say? Yes. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Um, there's a, there was a, a fast food place near us where yeah. one of the managers near it was actually named Alucard. Yeah, I I grabbed the... the yeah, uh, I got his business card. It's still, yeah. still up and off I noticed that too. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it was the Chipotle closest, yeah, yeah, yeah. closest to the store where we worked. Yeah. And I was in there one time and I went, oh, come on now. For right. real? <laughs> this is great. Anyway, this, this, this is uh, super cheap. It's got shots uh, which are taken from the Terror and uh, various other... Um, uh, AIP Poe movies, uh-huh. uh, Pit and the Pendulum, the castle yeah. painting is, is in there. 
I've got this book on John Carradine. Uh, it's got this quote from uh, Fred Olin Ray in it. This is a book written by uh, Tom Weaver. But I'll read you this qu quote. Um, Fred Olin Ray says, At one point, the heroine is supposed to bring Carradine something to eat. When the scene was shot after lunch, it was discovered that the actors and crew had eaten everything. The prop man, thinking on his feet, ran out to the garbage dumpster and fished out bits and pieces of the discarded lunches and fashioned a sandwich out of the trash. <laughs> Carradine remarks how tasty the sandwich looks before consuming the whole thing with a big smile, unaware he was eating garbage. Oh, my God. <laughs> the man is a star. You don't yeah. feed him garbage. Anyway, more John Carradine. Uh, uh, yeah, this was on uh, Amazon Prime as well. Uh, Terror in the Wax Museum from 1973. Oh. Uh, so, this, so he's in it. Uh, Broderick Crawford, Elsa Lanchester, Ray Milland, Lisa Liu, um, Stephen Marlowe. Um, this is about uh, wax work in London, the okay. old London. Yes. Not convincing. No, you're not, you're not buying it. Huh? <laughs> no, it looks like the old back lot. Uh, it's got a hunchback in it, and then Karkov who lip, licks his lips like a leather face. How is Elsa Lanchester in this? Uh, she's quite fun. She, she's um, so her and her daughter, I think. Uh, the the owner of this popular wax museum, Chamber of Horrors, um, Dupre's Wax Museum, London. Dupre is uh, played by John Carradine. Okay. He gets knocked off by apparently by Jack the Ripper, who is also one of the waxworks. Oh. Who appears to come to life and kill him. So she's uh, the, the daughter is inheriting this place, and uh, so there's a lot of money involved in it. And she is the guardian mother, and she, so she's like really trying to get in there. Um, and uh, so you have all these suspects, uh, and you also have the waxworks who, which may or may not be coming to life, and they're all like Jack the Ripper, Lazy Borden, Bluebeard, Lucretia oh. Borgia, and all that. So, so it's a lot like the Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but really extended, really slow. Um, it seems kind of choppy at the kill scenes, so I'm, I'm wondering if I'm watching a cut version. So edited for content. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you get one of the victims as a sword through him, but apart from that, it's pretty shy about showing anything. Huh. Um, there's uh, one of the local bobbies. It says, uh, you ladies have got a touch of the Jim Jams. The Jim Jams? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, not very convincing, London. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I go on? Go on. <laughs> right. uh, Psychic Killer, 1976, Ray Danton. Uh Jim Hunton is a man who takes revenge on those who let his mother die and put him in an asylum. And he, and unfortunately for them, he has psychic powers. Oh. Uh, and his doctor is played by Julie Adams. And then there's another doctor played by Whit Bissell. Uh, some deaths are played for laughs. Uh, but what, what year did you say this was? 76. Oh, so it, it's a good while after Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um uh, there's a uh, yeah some of the some of the scenes are playing for laughs like this is a, is a bit with an opera singer at a building site. Uh, um, uh, Neville Brand is one of the victims. Uh, his bit isn't funny. He gets uh, he, he, he gets on the wrong end of a meat grinder. <laughs> and then there's a uh, Aldo Reyes in it as well. Um, he was okay. Um, Simon King of the Witches, 1971, directed by Bruce Kessler, starts off with uh, Simon addressing the camera. Oh. Uh, uh, this seems pretty druggy. This is like very stoner horror. Right. <laughs> uh, Andrew 
uh, Prion is in it. He was in Grizzly. Um, lots of stone of sorcery with lots of trips and uh, stabby hippies. Oh, witch hippie, pills. Hippie rippers. Nudie naked people. Uh, as this nude, nude woman stretched out on the altar at one of the Sabbaths. And uh, one of the characters touches her and she goes, don't touch me, I'm a holy, oge- holy object. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ghost Keeper from 1980. Oh, this one was interesting. It starts off and you think it's going to be a Windigo movie. Uh-huh. It kind of is. Uh, it's just directed by James Makachuk. Uh, uh, so uh, this is a Canadian movie, horror movie from the golden age of Canadian horror movies, i.e. 1980-81. Oh, okay. Um, they got they had a, what, a year and a half, two year run there? Yeah, so, oh. so uh, uh, this is filmed up in Banff, Alberta. Um, beautiful countryside, like deep snow. Yeah. Uh, Georgie Collins is the ghost keeper. Uh, it's like a, it's set around New Year's. So if you are looking for a New Year's horror, oh, um, something that resembles Texas Chainsaw in parts, something that resembles The Shining in parts, does um, not resemble New Year's Evil whatsoever. I'm no, gonna assume. Uh, no, I'm okay. To say, uh, music is by Paul Zusa. Uh, nice and eerie with choral touches he he's uh his most famous soundtrack is probably prom night yeah and he also worked on my bloody valentine so oh. all the classic canadian horrors yeah 1980 um so you've got um uh so you've got three young people who are out on their snow bikes their skidoos and uh they're 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 biking around and then one of them's a blonde named chrissy and she goes uh how can Valentines be dangerous? They're so beautiful, <laughs> which makes no sense. No. Uh, so they uh, they end up at this uh, lodge, the Deer Lodge, which is an actual place. Um, and uh, two of them are idiots, but the other one is uh, the final girl named Jenny, played by played by uh, Reva Spear. Um, and they find out this lodge no one has actually checked in for five years. Hmm. And uh, but she senses that someone is watching them there. And someone indeed is. Mm. It, and it's got a nice creepy atmosphere. Um, I, I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, check that one out. Um, Devil's Express is a kung fu horror movie from 76. Kung fu horror movie. Yeah. Uh, directed by Barry Rosen. It's a good, it's a good kind of junky mid-70s movie. Yeah. Lots of scenes of people walking around like mid-70s New York chinatown oh okay sleazy new york movies yeah um it's good, it's good uh, time capsule uh, i like the daylight photography um uh they, they pretend to go to hong kong at one point but it's obviously a park <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's this park in chinatown yeah it's a park with like some tory gates and yeah stuff like that around uh if you're yeah. looking for a good subway horror i'd recommend Deathline. if you're looking for good kung fu horror i recommend uh Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires or stuff from Shaw Brothers. But yep. uh, this one isn't good, but it's entertaining. Didn't we just lose one of the Shahs? Yeah, Run Run Shaw, he just died. Yeah, pretty recently. Yeah, very old. It's um, like in his 90s. Yeah. 95 years old or something like that. Um, yeah, this one stars uh, Warhawk Tanzania hmm. as Luke Curtis. Uh, he's no Jim Kelly. No. Black, um, Black Belt Jones. Yeah. Jim Kelly, I can watch it. He's entertaining all the yeah, time. Yeah. Like, even when he's not fighting, he's, he's fun to watch. He's great in Enter the Dragon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. I, I know all his lines. 
Yeah, he should not have died in that movie. He he should have been. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, he should have been like fighting alongside Bruce. Yeah, yeah. To the very end. Uh, yeah, I was not amused the first time I saw Enter the Dragon. Yeah. Uh, spoilers for 1973 Enter the Dragon, by the way. <laughs> I watch it every year. Yeah. Uh, you got to. This also stars uh, Wilfredo Roldan as Rodan. <laughs> Rodan. Uh, Brother Theodore turns up uncredited as a priest. Oh, okay. Doing his rents. Uh, uh, one of the victims is played by David Durston, who uh, directed uh, I Drink Your Blood. No kidding. And the demon is played by John Robert Yates. No, no. relation. No? <laughs> um, but it's, it's fun. I mean, he, he, like the hero straps on his, his gold lame overalls and goes down the subway to kick a demon's butt. And... Oh. So it delivers on that promise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. good. Um it was re-released as when after the Warriors came out, and New York gang fighting became popular in right. the movies. Uh, this was re-released as Gang War, naturally. And uh, so it played up because there's like a there's a black gang called the Black Spades, and there's a Chinese gang named the Red Dragons. <laughs> you might wow. have guessed which was which if I hadn't told you. Right. But uh, yeah, they have a few uh, really lame martial arts fights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah don't watch this alone watch it with people because it's fun right it's fun uh it's like one of those movies where couldn't you just hire some people who knew some martial arts <laughs> or have someone on set who could kind of train it look them? like people who who do train in it but the filming of it you can have really good fighters really good people who are really good at martial arts but if you don't know how to film it or if they're not good at doing screen martial arts right it looks bad yeah so i've seen people who i know are really good at the art right but it just doesn't translate on screen yeah that's true it's all about knowing how to move in front of a camera mm -hmm. and knowing how to move a camera in front of someone who's fighting yeah <laughs> you know those two things yeah I mean, what you often see like people like um uh like jetly and uh, people who look really spectacular on the big screen they're doing like the dance forms like the sweeping big circles and everything right like, um as opposed to proper street combat yeah. which is really close combat and not that visually yeah. spectacular it's more economy of motion yeah. rather than the the wushu stuff which is yeah. going to be more yeah, like dance like a flash of fists and someone's down and like what right. happened <laughs> you know, it's not interesting to watch no but it was pretty <laughs> right <laughs> and then um uh on netflix i watched uh, the night comes for us which came out this year don't know this one um this stars eco Oasis. Uh, who was in the um, uh, the Raid movies. Oh. I'll watch him in anything. He's terrific. And Joe Taslim is also in the Raid movies. And Julia Stell, who's also an amazing star. Um, if you're into Indonesian martial arts movies, you're familiar with all these people. Okay. Uh, so this, uh, so the, um, uh, Joe Taslim plays Ito and he turns on the triads. Oh, no. Uh, he, he gets an attack of conscience, so it's that old story. Yeah. But uh, he, so he ends up having to face the triads, the hiding forces, uh, corrupt cops, and uh, after a while, it's just wave after wave of just astonishingly brutal violence. This so is like one of the most gory, nasty films I've ever seen. It's everybody but the hot dog vendor. Yeah, and this is just incredible amount of splatter. <laughs> there's a there's a scene like it's, it's just a few minutes long but it's a fight in a butcher shop oh and no it's just like 
as gruesome as anything I've ever seen. Oh, wow. It's, it's so brutal. <laughs> yeah, there's cleavers and knives and saws Cleaver, everywhere. Yeah, circular saws. Yeah, band saws. Oh, it's just incredible. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of ways to get really hurt. Oh, yeah. It's nasty. Oh, Lordy. Um, and then the last one I saw was Madhouse, 1981, which is uh, it's directed by a video asinitis who did Tentacles and uh, Beyond the Door. Oh, okay. Have you seen those? I think I've seen um, seen selections of Beyond the Door. I've never seen Tentacles. Okay. Oh, I'll lend that to you. Okay. It's a good Jaws ripoff. Yeah. Right. When I say good, I mean fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one was like, it's good looking. It's one of those glossy looking Italian movies. They, you know, when, when uh, you know, in 8081, yeah. like, uh, so they went to the, especially like, I think this was shot in Savannah, Georgia. Oh, okay. So like down the street, there'd be Lucio Fulci filming right. zombie movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this, this has got uh, Julia Sullivan as this teacher at a school for deaf kids. and uh, But she's got this um, twin sister, Mary, who's in a hospital. She's been put in this hospital stroke asylum. And she's evil. She's like, and she's also deformed by various things like neurofibromatosis. Uh, anyway, they've got this birthday coming up, and this is set in early November. And they make reference to Thanksgiving. So if you're looking for a Thanksgiving horror. Yes, there's a tangential connection. Yes. Sort of. Um, anyway, uh, the twin sister gets out and killings start. And the twin sister also employs her Rottweiler dog against Okay. She wants to knock off. So you get lots of uh, people getting their nut throats chewed out by <laughs> either a, a very... Uh, you know a, a trained dog or a puppet dog yeah um, alternates between real and puppet yes. <laughs> it's seamless isn't it most of those movies are <laughs> um yeah this has got a bit of uh, violence to animals in it there's a cat that gets hung and the and there's a drill to a dog's head does anyone cut the wings off a bat <sighs> no okay we'll talk about that later yeah <laughs> um You've also got uh, her Uncle James in it, who's this really kind of horrible, patronizing, mashy priest, Catholic priest. Um, and it's got a lush Rizzo Talani score. He, he, he did the soundtracks for uh, Cannibal Holocaust and uh, I think his first one with Mondo Kane, oh, okay. one of the original Mondo movies. Yeah. Um, this Madhouse was actually banned as a video nasty in 1983. Of course, they hadn't watched it. Um, yeah, I, I have no idea if they did. If they did, they would have objected to uh, the kills aren't that gory until the final ones, the last two, and the dog getting killed. Yeah, um, they're pretty gory. Um, there's the mirror killer gag. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> okay. Well, it doesn't predate, I, I think I wrote that one down that, that we that we figured was the earliest one that yeah. we've been able to find. Um, doesn't predate that though. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so that was the last one I watched apart from uh, tonight's. So this would be a good place for a PSA. Um, if you are sensitive to or triggered by violence to animals, doesthedogdie.com. Mm -hmm. That's the website, isn't it? Yes. Okay, yeah. There you have it. Doesthedogdie.com. Uh, that'll warn you to not just dog deaths and violence, but other animal deaths and violence in movies. So if you don't want to put that stuff in your eye holes, you don't have to. Um, that's probably a good, uh, a good segue into talking about Bride of Reanimator. This is an American, uh, made uh, movie, 1990, directed by Brian Yuzna, who was a producer on the original Reanimator. Now, 
Um, you had not seen this. I had seen this, had but s- I just couldn't remember it at so all. So you entire this was Mind Eraser. I was remembering it as it went along. Yeah, you're I like, oh the, yeah, this the, thing. The finger monster. Oh yeah. And the bat wing head. Yep. But apart from that. Yeah, you're like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, so so this this is kind of a um kind of a cold open to something that you know is in the original HP Lovecraft story, which is Yeah. Which is uh Dean um I'm sorry, Dan. Uh, I want to say Dean Kane. That's the guy who played the Superman uh, <laughs> uh, series, whatever that one's called. But it's Herbert West and Dan Kane uh, working together uh, in a battlefield hospital. It, it, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't think it cold opens on that, does it? Uh, well, in the original stories, they're like five short stories. Okay. So there's Bride of Reanimated Cribs from the, well, takes elements from the last two. Okay. And the, in the fourth one, they it's set in World War One, and they're operating on the battlefield. Yeah. And then in the fifth one, they, they there's their lab is set up with the they have a tunnel through into the local uh, cemetery. Right. So the, the, this film takes from the, those yeah. last two stories. Yeah, it's drawing those uh, the, the, those elements into this uh, modernized version of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're they're in the Peruvian Civil War mm-hmm. in battlefield tent hospitals uh, and. It's amazing. Um, Jeffrey Combs does such a great job uh, portraying, and he he is a good actor, yeah. but he can play this character uh, in such a such a focused way. Like you do not doubt that Herbert West will not be stopped by anything, <laughs> and he will not question his own motives. Or have them questioned by anybody, most of whom he considers to be of lesser intelligence than than himself. Uh, nothing gets in Herbert West's way. He is just on a singular track to, I am going to, in the name of science, reanimate dead tissue mm-hmm. and bring people back to life. And it's like, whoops, another one didn't work out. Let's keep going. No matter what. <laughs> he just keeps making more green juice and injecting it into more dead things. Yeah. And he'll be like, oh, maybe that was too much. You know, maybe that wasn't enough. You know, everything is just like, well, if we if we reanimate all the pieces at once, then it'll reanimate together. And so when they're stitching together a person, uh, then he's just trying one more thing. And I love this about him. <laughs> Jeffrey Combs just is not he's not to be stopped. He's he's he becomes Herbert West. And it's amazing. And, and I, I don't think anybody else could have played him. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a single actor that would have done this better. Yeah. Earlier time, it would have been Peter Cushing. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I could see that. That's the caliber. For sure. And we have, um, let's see, Bruce Abbott returns, of course, as Dan Cain. Um, we have Claude Earl Jones, I believe, plays the detective. Yes. Yeah. Le- Lieutenant Leslie Chapman. Lieutenant, I should say. You can say lieutenant. We know at least one person listening is going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's how we say it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is uh, this was written by um, Brian Yuzna, Rick Fry, and Woody Keith, who I'm not familiar with, um, based, of course, on the original series of H.P. Lovecraft stories, um, Herbert West Reanimator. And I... Rewatching this a few weeks ago really didn't remember a lot of it until it was unfolding as well. So I remembered the flying bat head thing as I was thinking about it. And then I completely forgot it as it started, even as the guy is 
uh, let's just get to this. Um, the guy working in that lab is like, holy crap, the stuff that's in evidence over here, you know, in, in the morgue. There's like an evidence oh, this, area of the morgue. Dr. Wilbur Graves. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Graves, of course. Yes. Uh, he yeah, he's good, isn't he? Most yeah. yeah. yeah I, I like him. He decides to start fiddling around with this stuff that he shouldn't. Oh, look, this, here's, a, yeah. here's a syringe full of this glowing green stuff. You get, he, he starts out, he's kind of cuddly and yeah. this, this nice guy. And then he just becomes just as obsessed. Yeah, and and he and it, it it's there's something intoxicating about this apparently that that uh, your your better senses uh, leave you and this is what you're going to do. Um, so the severed head of Dr. Carl Hill returns as I really you know I was happy to see that as soon as soon as he uh, injects him he, he calls him an idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, this says, yeah, oh, you're the guy who came to my lecture and you had that theory about uh, uh, was it creationism and the cause of origins of disease. Yeah, it was idiotic, <laughs> he says. The guy is ready to, to receive all these accolades. Yeah, it was yeah. idiotic. <laughs> he's like a bastard as soon as he's reanimated. I love this about him. Uh, let's see. Um this stuff is stored in the morgue as uh, as evidence, which I found weird because you'd think there'd be some police area. This isn't a police station, is it? It's a regular morgue. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Miskatonic Massacre. That's hard to say. Yes. Miskatonic Massacre. Uh, and there were only two survivors, uh, mm-hmm. Kane and West. And this makes this detective who lost his wife in the massacre uh, very suspicious. And so that's the... The uh, antagonist, uh, if you do consider our main guys to be protagonists. So he's on to them right away, pays them a visit. And, of course, there's never anything suspicious in any house Herbert West is staying in. <laughs> this is, I like this about him. He's always covered with blood and walking around with a part of a dead thing. And, you know, he's, he's not going to do anything except work on this project. You don't ever see him relaxing, do you? No. He's never reading a book, sipping some tea, mm-hmm. feet up. Never. He's just nonstop. Yeah, I wonder what he does for it to relax. I don't think he relaxes. Mm. I think this is him relaxing. I think he'd be really, you know, wound up if he wasn't able to be reanimating corpses. Um, so, uh, so they have Megan Halsey's heart. So that's um, Barbara Crampton's character. Mm-hmm who doesn't make it through the first movie. She ends up the victim of the massacre and uh, they want to put her heart into a reanimated um, Frankenstein together woman. Mm-hmm. Does that seem like a weird choice? It does. Wouldn't it make more sense if this was the conceit was that we need to have her heart beating in someone else's body. Mm-hmm. First of all, as scientists, do they really think that a person's essence of who they are is contained in the heart? Yeah, there are several weird choices in this. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't they just find an attractive woman, maybe who resembles her a little bit, and put it in her body? Mm-hmm. I mean, if she already had a healthy heart, you know, why do that even? Yeah, why not just... Why not just meet a nice living woman? But, you know, the whole, the whole thing with these, these Frankensteins is they want to cut out the woman yeah just create between men i guess 
Yeah. I mean, are these guys just a couple? They are kind of. Yeah. Uh, so the more reasonable, the more sane of the two, Dan, mm-hmm. uh, never decides to just up and leave. I yeah. Mean, he always gets pulled in. Yeah. He's not as sane as he thinks. No. And he seems sane enough to us. He thinks he's sane, but his actions and the company he keeps belie all of that. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're right alongside West, aren't you? Yeah. You're still living in a cemetery. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a, you've got a tunnel from your morgue into yeah. the cemetery. And, and some, your friend says to you, why don't we take your girlfriend's heart, put together a body, stick it in there. Yeah. We'll just sew it all together and reanimate it all at once. Yeah. I know she's got a zipper where yeah. things should have been soft, but... Yeah. Zipper, why not? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the hypnotic powers return once again. Uh, something yeah. That, yeah. Something that I forgot to mention. Um, so, back to Dr. Graves, Dr. Wilbur Graves. He discovers all this stuff, and then he has this, for whatever reason, he's dissecting a bat takes the glowing fluid, reanimates the bat, which is in agonizing pain because it's cut open and it's reanimated. Mm -hmm. I'm sure none of this feels good. It's doing this pathetic squealing. Mm. And what's he do? He cuts through its wings. This is just awful. (laughs) I don't know that that stops the bat. But at some point, Hill wants him to sew the wings onto his head. Yes. And through the power of hypnosis... (laughs) Makes him do it. <laughs> now, the best part of this movie, in my opinion, is when he has himself delivered in a box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, this is great. Um, West re- <laughs> retrieves this box from the porch or whatever and opens it up. And, <laughs> and Hill's head comes flying out on bat wings. <laughs> There is not a lot of better stuff that happens in a movie like this. Uh, it's an '80s movie. I know it came out in 1990, but yeah. it's a, it's a late '80s movie. Mm-hmm. You know when it was produced. Uh, you're hard pressed to find something better than that in an '80s movie. Yeah, I just wish the um, the composite work had been better. It doesn't look great, no. and I don't know if there's much they would want to do uh, to sort of retrofit some better effects around it i don't know what you could do but it it's still so funny um let's see the cat fight between uh, the bride and kane's uh italian journalist girlfriend yes um francesca danelli yeah played by fabiana udenio yeah what do we know her from uh she was in austin powers that's right as alotta fagina <laughs> you can pronounce it that way if you want uh she was in robocop 2 i think oh okay uh robocop 2 i think is the one that has the guy from that 70s show the, the one that played the dad oh yeah 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 i'm totally blanking on his name right now but he plays red foreman <laughs> yeah. which is eric's dad yeah yeah he's great um it's weird to see these actors in their earlier work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So she's she's in a bunch of uh, stuff where she is the the uh, resident Italian. Um, but yeah, the cat fight's great. Uh, uh, this uh, let's see, how does this wind up? 
the bride rips uh, the, the heart out. The yeah, the bride. Uh, she realizes that he, uh, Dan, doesn't love her. Right. And uh, even though she's a composite of like at least two women that he's been affectionate towards, mm-hmm. and he's more interested in his his actual living girlfriend. Right. And which uh, probably confounds so, West. So the uh, the constructed bride tears out her own heart and offers it to him. That's right. And then her various parts reject each other. That's right, because they don't have the heart pumping, reanimation fluid and blood to them. That's okay. Yeah, I was trying to remember what the sequence was there, but uh, and then meanwhile, uh, Doctor Hill has brought in his his gang of zombies. Yeah, that's right. And including things that are just put together from various odd parts. Yeah, a- and a cat. There's a kitten. There's a white kitten in there. Oh my god! And he's controlling them all with hypnosis. Yeah, and it's just chaos and yeah buildings collapsing and stuff like that yeah and you see his bat winged head get crushed right i don't know that that would stop him if if they really wanted to make a third movie they did didn't they well they well they just there's uh there was uh beyond reanimator i thought that was uh like a documentary about yeah, the beyond other... reanimator 2003 when he's in uh, he's working in a prison oh so it is an actual third movie yeah oh shit i didn't know that uh yeah i, just, I forgot this before because oh. someone said, "Oh, there is a third one." And I thought, oh yeah, there is. Oh. <laughs> this is this one uh, is another step down. Oh no! Uh, even more forgettable. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> um, and then there was an Italian one last year, which is not part of this series. It was just a just something they came up with, like their fake Jaws movies. Yeah, there's a director named uh, Ivan Zokon, who's uh, yeah. This, this isn't a ripoff. This is like going back to the source. So he's he's done several Lovecraft movies. Oh, okay. So th- these are serious takes on Lovecraft. Oh, good. Uh, so yeah, he did reanimate Herbert West reanimated last year. Good, because people usually get Lovecraft wrong. They just something just doesn't work. I don't know why that is. Mm-hmm. So the Beyond Reanimator, I always assumed that was like a documentary about the other two movies. So, wow, I'm gonna go mm-hmm. watch it. Yeah, I don't care how deep of a step down it is i i only remember one bit from that so bat winged head coming out of the rubble maybe could be a thing no it's uh shall i tell you what the only bit i remember yeah go ahead uh as a rat has a fight with a reanimated penis oh naturally that totally makes sense wow um so having rewatched this as though it were new it is, in your opinion, big step down. Yeah, I don't think it has the energy of the original. Yeah, the first one is just stunning. Yeah. And it looks great. So, uh, um, yeah, you, you, I would say Yuzna is doing, uh, you know, a, a decent job directing. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows how to direct, obviously. So have you seen Dagon? He directed that as well, didn't he? Um, it's another Lovecraft movie. No. That's, that's, I, I like that much better. No, I haven't seen that one. Oh, okay. I'll lend that to you. I would love to see that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a lot they could have done differently in this. I am glad they did it. If for no other reason than Jeffrey Combs is Dr. West <laughs> one more time. Oh yeah. He's such fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you get to see Abbott return as, uh, as, uh, Kane and, um, that, that's cool. Bruce Abbott is, is, uh, 
He's good at walking that line between thinking he's sane and mm-hmm. starting to realize he's not. Yeah, he's just playing it as like this normal guy. Yeah. But you, you know, you, you see why his actions. He's... Yeah. Quit, quit being so astounded <laughs> at what West does because you're doing it yeah, too, man. Too late in the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When um, they bust him, you're going down with right. him. <laughs> um, Johnny Legend plays one of the zombies. Oh, cool. He's the bearded one. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Um, yeah, I had I had some notes and I lost them, but you, you get like uh, there's various special effects teams like the K and B group is in there. Yeah, yeah, uh, Nicotero's crew. Uh, John Beekler did the um, Doctor Hill head. Oh yeah. Uh, Screaming Mad George did a lot of the crazy stuff. Oh yeah. Um, David Allen's team did the stop motion. Because mm-hmm. at at one point he gets these fingers. And then he uses bits of wire and attaches them to an eyeball. Yeah. And it becomes this little creature that runs around the room. Yeah, it almost gets discovered by the detective. Yeah. Yeah. I did like I did like the fact that they cut that cop's arm off. <laughs> Attach it to the dog. Yeah. And then it horrifies the the poor girlfriend later. Yeah, well, it would. <laughs> Can't blame her. Yeah. Well. You know, a dog who she's seen being killed. I think she was just being hysterical. By detective, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They say she's just been hysterical, but right. uh, yeah, she she sees her dog Angel being killed, and yeah. then he turns up again with the human arm and grabs her. You know, yeah, I'd, I'd scream. Yeah, well, you know that thing where you're always trying to go, come on, shake, shake. And at least now they could really do it. <laughs> that works out nicely. Uh, if, if our dogs had opposable thumbs, they'd just be in the fridge all the time. Oh, of course. That'd be so fat. That's yeah. That's not what we would want. Um, so do you think this would have benefited from Stuart Gordon coming back? Yeah. I think so too. I mean, there's, I think he had not so much the technical aspects of his directing, but more the, uh, the, his vision, I think would have been yeah, the, a better thing. The sheer punk energy. Of yeah. It. Yeah. Just the old. Uh, I'm Brian Hughes now. I don't know what the backstory is in the making of this movie. I don't either. But, uh, he's, he's done better stuff. Yeah. And I don't get the feeling that there was bad blood between them. I no. think it was just, you know, maybe Gordon had other stuff he needed to do. What was he doing at the time? When was Castle Freak? This, he did these Poe movies and things like that. Yeah. The giant robot movies. Yeah. So I, I was, I would assume it was a conflict and maybe he didn't feel like messing with uh, yeah. the perfect thing that he had made, yeah, which was I mean, Reanimator. He'd there, done that. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Why risk screwing it up? Yeah. Let some other guy screw it up. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for horror fans, um, and this, this I always bring it around to this question, you know, do you, first of all, uh, do you recommend the movie in general to, you know, people? You can't really recommend this to people who aren't horror, horror fans. So mm-hmm. do you recommend this to horror fans? Um, say somebody comes to you with like hey man i saw um reanimator recently for the first time and i really dug it yeah and you'll you'll seeing you'll be seeing jeffrey coombs in action again yeah for for no other reason that gets it that gets it you recommend definitely enjoyable bits to it yeah i find i find a lot of it dull not much happens in the first (laughs) quite a while it would be great we to take talking it. Yeah, take a stopwatch and be like, okay, how long do we go before something crazy happens? Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder how long those stretches really are. Yeah, uh, I would, I would be interested to find out. Um, so just on the merits of of uh, Jeffrey Combs as Doctor West. Yeah, 
you get to recommend to horror fans. Mm -hmm. I feel the same way. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, Oh man, it's just like a one, two punch. It's great. It's not like evil dead. And then evil dead two. Mm -hmm. Like I like evil dead two better because it was the same movie remade with money. Yeah. And there's a different tone to it. Yeah. And more of a comedic tone. And there's a, it's a little more heightened and a little more, uh, just, crazy and demonic and, and you got to dig that that's that's really cool uh this on the other hand is not like that this is just like oh we're going to continue the story yeah there's not enough different yeah and they have the angle with the, like the various bits being put together in strange new ways but yeah yeah that is different but uh yeah just just on the merits of of the the characters and the actors who play them and the fact that you do have the producer from the first one directing this Based on those things, yeah, I give it a recommend to horror fans, but with one caveat that it's it's not the first one, and it's not like Evil Dead Two, where it's it's you know an improvement mm-hmm. with a little different take. It's not like that. So know what you're getting into, and and then go forth and dig that. Uh, anything else we want to cover before we get out of here? No. Which, which, uh, uh, Nick... Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah. And uh, thoughts to Will again. Yeah. Um, and we're looking forward to the next episode. For sure. Now, um, in Cage Match, do you know which Nick Cage movie you're leaning toward? Uh, I probably watched Drive Angry again because I, yeah. I remember liking that one. Cool. Out with his horror movies. I'm. I may watch Wicker Man again, uh, but I'm kind of feeling like I haven't seen Drive Angry. I should see it. And. Uh, I have not seen Pay the Ghost mm. and heard everything bad there was to hear about it. Now, Jackie, who's going to be on the show with us, has watched every single Nick Cage movie ever made. <laughs> so she, she had the bag with Vampire's Kiss on it. Yes. Right? So that, I might have to watch that. Yeah. And that's how we started I talking. I have no memory of that. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't either. Like, I, I remembered, like, a few bits and pieces. And I went, oh, I need to watch that again. And I did. And I was very surprised that it wasn't the movie I thought it was. So uh, I'm excited for Cage Match. Uh, and, and we're not really going to pit these movies against each other, but we're going to maybe compare some of the performances and just say, you know, the Nick Cage we get in this one, could he kick the ass of the Nick Cage in that one? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think that's that. maybe that's a way to look at it. And, and I'll probably email her and ask her if, uh, hey, is there a different angle you want to come at this? But I think that's a good one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let, let her steer it. Yeah, because we, we have an aficionado uh, slash expert, and uh, we're just podcasters, uh, you know, like in Halloween 2018. Who Spoilers for Halloween 2018. Mm. They get killed. And uh, if you're looking for um, another streaming service, there's a free one called Canopy, K-A-N-O-P-Y. Uh, this is affiliated with libraries. Okay. So if you're a member of a library which has Canopy, then you can just watch all these movies for free. Uh, it's mostly art movies, which is cool. fine by me. Um, but they'll also get down and dirty with... Uh, Porn? There's a bit of Jello. <laughs> there's a Fulci, uh, Fernando de, de Leo, police thrillers. Um, cool. There's lots of silent movies to check out. Um, uh, speaking of porn, they've got... Um, <laughs> Uh, what? Uh, they've got a couple of non-exploitation on there actually. They got uh, oh, behind convent walls. Well. Um. So yeah. Um. Yeah. 
uh, have a look for it because they've got some really good stuff. Lots of Jean Rillard. Wow. Yeah. So uh, check it out. So is this? So it's a streaming service. Uh, do they have their own app? Do you know? Um, or I it, don't know. I, I just watched them the same way as I do. So you just go to the streaming thing. Just go to their dot com or dot org or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, just just go in the local library thing, and they have a connection to it. Uh, it. Might be in the downloads section if they have one. Well, super cool. That's yeah. that's a that's a great uh, additional platform to look for things because you know you're not going to find everything on Amazon, <laughs> as you know. All right, is that a good place to wrap it up? Okay. Hey, listeners, thank you for listening. Stay off the moors.